Good evening. Welcome into Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Have you for the next hour till 9 o'clock as we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball. My goodness, do we have a lot to get into over the next 53 minutes as we continue to get closer and closer and closer to the start of the regular season a week from today. This is actually the final Brewers Weekly where we will not have a game that matters to talk about because they will play uh, during the afternoon in San Diego next Thursday, and then we'll have a Brewers Weekly uh, that night. So certainly looking forward to that. As always, if you want to get involved in the program, you can do so by uh, giving us a call or texting into the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. That's 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. Or you can tweet at me if you would like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A- T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air is the Twitter handle. Here's what we got to get into today. And a lot of our discussion is going to be based around roster decisions. And the show probably would have been around based off that pretty much no matter what, because as mentioned, we're a week out from the start of the regular season. That's if not the most compelling thing for most teams at this time of the year, certainly one of them. And for the Brewers, it absolutely is the most compelling item that we've got going right now involving the Brewers. And now it's even more interesting because yesterday you have Wade Miley suffering an injury and also Boone Logan suffering an injury, and that has completely changed the way you look at this roster. And all of a sudden guys that you thought were going to be slotted sort of into one spot get slotted into another spot, and I know everybody with the Brewers, whether it's Craig Council or David Stearns or anybody, they're all saying that you know these decisions on players are being made independent of what else is going on, but that's that's easier said than done. You know, when when you lose a Boone Logan, a left-hander out of the bullpen, and you've got a Brent Suter on your team who's competing for a starting rotation spot, but there's also other guys who are competing for a starting rotation spot, it has to at least slip into your mind, okay, well, maybe we start the season with Suter as a a left-handed reliever. And then guys who might not have been making the team, this is helping them out. And Oliver Drake, he was going to have a hard time making this team in all likelihood. Even even though he is a right-handed pitcher, he's really good against lefties. He's, He's better against lefties than he is against righties. This might save him at least until Boone Logan is available. Um... Jesus Aguilar. It sounds like they're going to go with four starting pitchers to open up the season. So in all likelihood, you've got a uh, a Jesus Aguilar situation where maybe his spot on the roster is safe for at least the first eight days of the year. So that's kind of what's going on right now. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things that can happen between now and Thursday. There's a lot of decisions to uh, to be made as well. So we'll see how that all ends up going down uh, as we end up uh, as we end up going through that next week and what that opening day roster looks like. Also, uh, Caitlin Moyer is going to uh, join us. And if you're not familiar with Caitlin, she's the director of new media for the Brewers. And she does just a great job with everything that she does. And uh, one of the things she most recently had her hands on was the Sandlot video that the Brewers did. And if you have not seen the video, 
Go to Brewers.com, go to any of their social media outlets and find it. It's about a two-and-a-half-minute video where they remake the scene from the Sandlot where they hit the ball over the fence and then they can't go get it because of the beast. And it's Brewers players that are involved in it, and it is just it's amazing, and uh, Caitlin's a big reason uh, that uh, that got done. So we're going to talk with her in just a few moments as well in our next segment. Let's grab a quick phone call, though, before we do uh, go to break. As uh, Mike's on the east side, hey, Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, guys. Hey, I'll tell you what. I, I, I kind of like what the Brewers have done, but I think there was a mistake made. The pitching should have been addressed a little bit better. And one of the things that they should have done, I think, instead of making Lorenzo Kane and Yelich our outfielders, when we had more outfielders than we knew to do it, uh, Lorenzo Kane, I hate to say it, he's a beautiful player, but look how old he is, five years. And we had the outfielders. We could have got a pitcher. And we already had a pretty solid outfield. Mike, can I stop you there, right there? Go ahead, go ahead. The... There was nothing stopping them going and getting Lorenzo Cain did not stop them from going and getting a pitcher. Mark Atanasio had his wallet wide open. If there was something that made sense, uh, the Cane the stuff was not going to stop them. This was not a financial decision on why they didn't go get guys. It just didn't make sense for them. So I think that's, that's the only thing I would take issue with what you're saying. I don't think there, it's a scenario where if Lorenzo Cain doesn't get signed, there's another starting pitcher on the roster. Okay, you know, I probably have to... Uh change a little bit of what I was thinking, but once again, I, I still have to uh, come back. Now, what, what do we do with our outfielders that we had? I mean, Santana, and we've got uh, Ryan Brown, and, and now we've got Jesus on first base. It's brought up a problem that I didn't think needed to be a problem, but there it is now. What do you think? Yeah, I think... They tried to get better, and they thought Lorenzo Cain was an upgrade, and obviously Christian Yelich is. I don't know what's going to happen with Ryan Braun and how much time he's going to spend at first base compared to how much time he spends in the outfield compared to how much time he spends in the dugout. Like I, I don't know the answer. And, Mike, you bring up great points, and unfortunately I don't really have an answer for you. We just have to wait and see what's going to happen. I do know the, t- the, the 2018 version of the Brewers is better with Lorenzo Cain on it. Now is the 2021 version better? Uh, I'll worry about that in 2021. Thanks a lot. You bet, Mike. Appreciate the phone call. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. It's the AgUnet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. But up next, Caitlin Moyer is going to join us. If you haven't seen the Sandlot video, you have got to see it, and we'll get some of the inside information from her. That's on the way next. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. If you have not yet seen the Sandlot video that was put together by Brewers players um, or acted, but it was put together by a number of people involved, including Caitlin Moyer, who we're about to talk to. You've got to see it. It's at the Brewers' website. It's on all their social media channels. And uh, just uh, the the off-season and the spring training portion of the year has already been won by the Brewers because of that video. It is fantastic. And right now, uh, here to talk about it, is the director of new media for the Brewers, Caitlin Moyer. Caitlin, appreciate you taking some time. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm great. All right, so obviously this has exploded. Millions of views of this video. Everybody, you know, sports and non-sports uh, are talking about it. When you guys were putting this together, did you have an inkling that it might uh, pick up as much attention as it has? 
You know, I, I knew it had the potential to be big, but I don't know that um, I anticipated that it would be quite this big. Um, I mean, this has actually gone viral, and I really don't like to use that term loosely. So it's kind of every new media director's dream. <laughs> Tell me the uh, kind of the the infancy of this, of how you, you and whoever else was involved in it, how you guys thought about this, and, and when you decided you were going to put it together. Sure. Um, at the end of every season, we kind of do a postmortem, and we talk about what worked, what didn't, and then uh, we flip the page, and we look ahead to the next year and things we might want to do. And um, and looking ahead, you know, to next year starting already in, in October after the 2017 season ended, um, looking at, you know, what are some things that we're going to do in 2018 and, and where can we get some inspiration? And um, I like to look at a lot of anniversaries um, and see if there's anything we can tap into from a pop culture standpoint. So like last year, for example, we did a uh, Wayne's World with Brett Phillips and Josh Hader because it was a Wayne's World anniversary. Um, and when I was looking at movies, what really stood out was The Sandlot. And, you know, it's perfect time, obviously, with baseball. I knew it would be in the wheelhouse for uh, the age group of the guys that are on the team currently. And we thought, hey, we have to do something with The Sandlot. So had this idea way back in the fall. Didn't even, you know, know who would be exactly what part. We had some ideas in mind, you know, you know obviously Ham with Vogue, but we didn't know at that time if he'd be back. Uh, Christian Yelich wasn't even part of the team yet, um, so it all kind of came together once we got down in spring training this spring. Do you put together your casting thoughts ahead of time and go to them, or do you gauge interest in who would maybe like to be a part of it and then figure out the casting from there? Um, it was a little bit of both. So we had some guys in mind for some of the, the obvious parts. Um, you know, going into it, we're like, wow, you know, Stephen Vogt would be a perfect Pam. Brett Phillips, he's always game to do, you know, anything in social media and thought he would make a really good Smalls. Um, approached Brett first because I knew he, like I said, he'd be game and, um, you know, he'd help me rope in some of the other guys. Um, Boat overheard me talking to Phillips and piped up, said, Sandlot, anything with the Sandlot? I, I want to be in. Can I be ham? And I said, that's perfect because we were going <laughs> to ask you. And uh, Christian Yelich and Walker happened to be between the two, and he kind of got roped in by proximity. And as we're talking to him, I'm like, you, would, you actually kind of look like Benny the Jet. I'm a new guy. Like being Benny, that's a lot of pressure. And um, he ended up being the perfect Benny the Jet. And then from there, it all kind of fell into place. And of course, um, one of the guys we had in mind initially was Eric Sogard um, being Squint. And uh, I just hadn't had the chance to talk to Eric yet, and just because um, I never really saw him in person. So I ended up having to send him a message and said, "Hey, we're we're trying to do a scene from the Sandlot." We'd like you to be squints. It kind of hinges on you um, if you're available or not. And so I kind of have my fingers crossed. And he replied almost immediately. Was like, "I'm in." With his little signature nerd emoji, and it, you know, it, it all came together from there. You you tweeted out a screenshot, and my favorite thing was you asked him if he had jean shorts, and he didn't. So, uh, how much stuff did you guys have to buy to get the? Because they they look pretty close to what they were wearing in the movie. Yeah, we, we had a lot of attention to detail, watched that clip a, a lot of times. Um, it was myself, my new media coordinator, Aaron, down there, and then members of our marketing and production team. So Kelly, Matt, and Nicole, I want to give them a shout-out, and Evan. Um, we all kind of divided and conquered to try to find the components for this. So, I mean, guys, you know, we, I made a list of what guys should bring from home. You know, if they have a pair of jeans and they need to wear jeans, bring your jeans. If you have some Converse, bring them. Um, and then we made a list of things we had to go buy. So we, we were, uh, ran around Phoenix and uh, Glendale area, and um, we really didn't have to buy too much. A lot of the stuff the guys had 
Um, you know, just again, attention to detail. Um, Jeremy Jeffers' character, he's wearing a Kansas City Monarchs hat in the movie, and um, we thought it would be a nice touch to have the Milwaukee Bears hat. Um, JJ's mom was kind enough to send it to us. He had it at his house in, in Virginia. Uh, so, yeah, stuff came from everywhere, um, but we really didn't have to buy too much in the end. How long did this whole process take from the filming to post production and everything that was involved in it? Hmm. Um, the actual filming part took about an hour and a half to two hours, um, so not too long. I, I can't speak to the productions part. I know that that was um, a lengthy process, and those guys did a fantastic job putting it together. They had to grab uh, Hank footage, too, on a separate date because Hank was uh, shot up here in Milwaukee. Um, so, yeah, it was probably uh, a, the bulk of the time I, I would most definitely be um, editing. We're talking with uh, Caitlin Moyer. She's the director of new media for the Brewers. This is, you guys do such a, a, a great job with this, and you're some of the best, if not the best, in all of baseball. How does this kind of fit in, not the video, but just more general, the, the social media, the new media, all aspects of your job? How does that all fit in without within kind of the overall business operation of the Brewers and what they're trying to accomplish? You know, our, our goal on social media is to bring the fans closer to the team. And I think, you know, things like this, Sandlot video, and, and a lot of the other things that we try to do, I think that that's, that's what we what we aim to do is to connect with our fans and to really um, personalize them and, and, for lack of a better term, humanize them. So, um, you know, showing another fun side of these guys' personalities. And, you know, they love the Sandlot. Fans love the Sandlot. They can identify with them, you know, showing – um, their families, if they have kids, you know, showing uh, Ernan Perez's little son, Christopher. Um, he's quite the social media darling, but, you know, fans relate to that because they have kids too, and um, their kids love baseball as well. So it's, it's just really trying to showcase their personalities and, and make fans feel like, you know, they know them a little bit better, and, you know, they're going to want to cheer for people that they identify with and that they, um, that they like. Hosting the, the post-game show, I, I get the opportunity to talk with these guys a lot, and they're all great guys. This is one of the best clubhouses and, and group of guys that you could ever see. From your perspective, what does that do for you? That these are good guys, so now you kind of get to have a, a wider palette of being able to, you know, let them be accessible to to people who are consuming what you're putting out there. Yeah, it's it's awesome um, because. You know, when I first, I've been around the club for a long time and not always in this capacity. I mean, when I started, social media didn't even really exist. But so I remember the days when, you know, there'd be like two guys on Twitter and other guys would look at them and say, why are you on Twitter? Why are you self-promoting? Which is kind of something that's a little bit frowned upon, um, at least in the past. And now it's been a complete uh, turnabout. And, you know, there's probably, I would say, 95% of the clubhouse is on some form of social media just simply because they've grown up with it. Um, and it's it's no longer kind of taboo for guys to put themselves out there. It's it's kind of um, you know accept, it's definitely accepted, and um, we want to help amplify their presence. And, and just like you said, the personalities in this particular squad um, they're awesome, and, and we want to work with them and, and help them build their own brands and, and have them help us too. It's it's uh, really been an awesome switch, especially for for my part of the business. <laughs> Uh, another recent video, Stephen Vogt did his uh, impersonation of a, of a basketball official. It was so good, and he was so right on. He had every mannerism down. Is that something that was presented to him from, from the team, or is that something he just wanted to do? How does something like that uh, come together? 
Um, that's a little bit of both. So when we acquire a guy, I, you know, I kind of do some digging into his background, his personality. Um, and one thing that came up on Steven was his uh, basketball ref skits that he had done um, several times. You can find it online from when he was in Oakland. So I said to him, um, hey, Steven, you know, would you mind doing that for us sometime? And he said, sure. And, you know, we kind of acquired him mid-season last year, so we, we never really got to fit it in. And that was another one of those, you know, planning sessions for 2018, what can we do? And you know what, Stephen Vogt, he's got that ref um, impersonation. Why don't we tie that into March Madness? We're always looking for content to tie in that's, you know, kind of topical. In the past few years, we've had guys fill out brackets, which is, is fun, but it gets old. And we had um, the perfect guy to uh, give us that content this year. So, um, like I said, a clubhouse of characters and um, everyone's different personalities bring something new to the table. Do you want to tease something else that might be happening that you guys are working on during the course of the season? I would say stay tuned. Um, you know, if you want some more of the Sandlot uh, stuff, you might see some more of that coming. Um, and we've just got a, a lot of uh, fun stuff. I know we're just speeding uh, right toward opening day here. Caitlin, thanks so much. I know this is a super busy time for you. Uh, thanks so much for taking a few minutes with us. The The video was fantastic. Everything you guys do is just amazing. It's so much fun to see uh, the creative stuff that you and your team uh, put together. So uh, thanks for taking a little bit of time and telling us about how it all works out. Well, thank you so much for having me, guys. Make sure you guys all follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook all season long. Very good. Thanks, Caitlin. Take care. That is Caitlin Moyer. She is the director of new media for uh, the Brewers, and she's incredible at her job. You can, uh, of course, you can follow the Brewers on all their social media outlets, but uh, she's on Twitter as well uh, at C Moyer. And uh, just if you haven't seen the video, you got to go watch the video. It's great. All right, this is Brewers Weekly. We're gonna get back into the uh, baseball aspect of things and uh, talk about this roster crunch and how it's not quite as much of a crunch now, but all of a sudden injuries have become a bit of an issue and how that might impact the uh, team as the season gets started. We'll talk about that next. It is Brewers Weekly. We're back with more in a moment on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly rolling on here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. My thanks to uh, Caitlin Moyer for joining us on the program. Again, you got to check out the Sandlot video. It is fantastic. Uh, if you want to join us on the program, you can do so on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. We're talking about this roster and what it's going to look like. And now it's going to look a little bit different, at least to start the season, because uh, Boone Logan is not going to be on the roster to start the year. He's got an injury. And Wade Miley is also not going to start the year. And there was no guarantee, I guess, that Wade Miley was going to begin the season in the starting rotation. But I think most would agree that he was certainly trending in the direction of being in the starting rotation. And they're going to start the year with four starters. It seems like this isn't official yet, but all signs indicate that they'll start the year with four starters. They don't need a fifth starter till the eighth day of the year, so then they can do something there. If Wade Miley was healthy, they may not have had that opportunity because Miley, if he was the fifth starter, you would have pretty much had to guarantee his roster spot, so they would have probably been forced to have all five starters to start the year if, if you did view Miley as your number five guy. But the question still remains, who is the number four starter? And once you need that fifth starter, who is it going to be? And probably right now, the inside track for that number four starter spot would be Brent Suter. But the other thing you have to consider 
is now that you don't have Boone Logan to start the year, that he's going to be out due to injury, does that make Brent Suter more valuable as a left-hander out of the bullpen? And I'm pushing down some dominoes here, so follow me along as I go through this. Part of Boone Logan's value to this team is opening up Josh Hader. And what I mean by that is you don't have to save Hader. If you're facing a team and you know that they've got some left-handers in the middle of the lineup and you you want to have a lefty specialist to go get them out in the seventh or eighth inning, you don't have to sit on Josh Hader to get to that point when you have Boone Logan. You can use Boone Logan in that situation. He can, you know, the loogie, the lefty one-out guy. And that's what, not that Logan's a one-out guy because I think he's going to be more than that, but you can use him in that way. You can make him a lefty one-out guy. So for me, Josh Hader is so flipping valuable. He is so valuable in what he can do and the way you can use him in so many different ways that you know one night he can be that guy who's just going to focus in on that big left-handed bat that you need to get the single out, and the next day he might go throw two or three innings. Like That's, that's what Hader is. All of a sudden, not only Brent Suter in the bullpen as a left-hander, not only is he valuable because you have that other left-hander in the bullpen. Now his value is connected to Josh Hader being able to do other things. And with all due respect to Oliver Drake, I could tell you hosting Brewers Extra Innings, if if you've got Oliver Drake facing Bryce Harper in the in the eighth inning and the Brewers are leading by one, and there's one on, and Harper goes deep, and the Brewers lose by one, my phone lines are going crazy about what in the world was Oliver Drake doing in that situation. Is it the same with Brent Suter? If Brent Suter's in that situation, is it the same? I don't think it is. Maybe I'm wrong, and I hope we don't find out. That's not something uh, I need to uh, I need to deal with. But I, I just I think that having Suter as your left hander in the bullpen to start the season might make sense because of what it allows you to do uh, with with Josh Hader. I don't know. Uh, the other side of this is what does the position player group look like if they only go with four starting pitchers for the first eight days, and it has a major impact on an individual that there's probably a pretty good chance you you as a listener wants to be on the team and 36 hours ago was looking like he probably wouldn't be on the team. I'll explain that next. If you want to talk about this Brewers uh, roster situation, you can give us a call or you can text on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620. You can also tweet at me at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly rolls on here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. Appreciate having you with us. 414-799-1620. It's 414-799-1620. We call it the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line because you could talk to me or you can text me. Either way, you can also always tweet me if you would like, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. The One of the biggest storylines since Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Kane were acquired was the fact that you have Domingo Santana, Ryan Braun, and Jesus Aguilar. And even though those three guys, if we were talking three months ago before those, before those acquisitions, we would have thought of 
Ryan Braun is a left fielder, Domingo Santana is a right fielder, Jesus Aguilar is a first baseman. We still basically view it that way, although now Braun is playing some first base as well. But it's interesting when you've got three guys who play three different positions who are so intertwined to each other in terms of spots on the roster. And before it looked like the Brewers would start the season with four starting pitchers before they finally needed a fifth starter, before all of that happened, it looked as if you would get two of those three on the roster. I think we all assumed that Ryan Braun was one of them. So then it came down to either Domingo Santana or Jesus Aguilar. I was in, I can remember, I think we had a Brewers Weekly the day Christian Yelich was acquired and Lorenzo Cain, if I remember correctly. That was a fun show. And uh, if if we went back to the archives and found that show, you would hear me spouting off about the fact that Domingo Santana is going to get traded. Well, I was wrong, evidently, probably. Uh, and it happens. I am wrong on occasion. And it's... Uh, but everybody was wrong. Like that was the that was the most obvious assumption at that point in time that they would trade Domingo Santana and would do one of two things: either get a starting pitcher out of him or try to kind of rebuild some depth in the minor league system. And what they lost in the Christian Yelich trade, well, that didn't happen. And now here we are, a week from opening day, and there's still not a clear path to Jesus Aguilar being on this roster when you have five starting pitchers also on the roster. That's that's just the truth right now. And look, in all likelihood, Jesus Aguilar is now going to start the season on the 25-man roster. He is probably going to be the guy that is going to take that spot of the fifth starter. But all that does is buy you eight days. Eight out of 162, or I guess in a full season, what, 180 days or so in the course of a major league season? So eight out of 180 days um, is is all it buys you. Now, a lot of things can happen. Another injury can happen. Somebody else, you know, I always say this. You're going to hear me say this about a million times during the course of the season when there's a roster crunch that's about to happen. Because we can see, we can see it coming, we we have the highway signs that say, "Hey, in a mile, we got twenty six guys for twenty five spots." Like you, could, it happens over and over and over during the course of the season. We can see it coming, and I've been around baseball long enough to say, "It will." It generally always works itself out. It just does. Uh, not too often do you get a scenario where you end up cutting bait with a player that you want to have on your roster. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It means generally it does not happen. And that's that's what we just have to wait and see. And I, I take calls from people all the time. We got one a little while ago, you know, asking what's this gonna look like? And look, if you if you try to predict it, you're lying. Maybe lying's a strong word. You're you're guessing. I'll go with that. If you try to predict what's going to happen with this roster, you are absolutely guessing. But under the category of things always tend to work themselves out, here we've got the situation with Wade Miley. So now that creates a situation where you're probably going to start the season with just four starting pitchers. So then that creates a situation where you've got an extra position player on the roster, and you'll go through that eight days like that. 
and then go from there. Got a tweet earlier saying that Kyle Wren, Brett Phillips would love to be the extra position player. Again, I think that would be at the cost of Jesus Aguilar. And if somebody with all due... For me, it was the the only bummer aspect of the Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain acquisitions were that it kind of slowed down the clock on Brett Phillips. I was really excited to see what Brett Phillips was going to turn into. The way he played down the stretch and the way he played in September last year, both at the plate and what he did with his glove, I was I was excited to see that on more of a regular basis. I don't see much of a scenario where Phillips is on the opening day roster. I just were, uh, and you can probably, you can almost say the same thing with Keon Broxton at this point. It's just, it is really tough to, to see that situation where those guys are on the roster. To me, Keon Broxton and uh, Brett Phillips are both earmarked for AAA Colorado Springs. Again, stuff can happen. We'll we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to say that a lot. We'll wait and see what it's going to end up looking like. But to me, your outfielders are going to be Kane, Santana, Yelich, and we'll, we'll throw Ryan Braun in there. Braun is this hybrid outfielder, first baseman guy that we still don't truly know what his role is going to be on this team. I will say this. If Braun plays first base at a respectable level, and we've talked about this a lot, but if Braun plays first base at a respectable level and hits the way uh, we know he can hit, he's. I think he plays first base more than any other position this year because I think the best lineup is the one where you have those three outfielders, Kane, Santana, and Yelich, and still have Braun in the lineup as well. And Braun's not going to play every day. We know that. And I think they're going to be a lot more careful with Braun this year than they were last year. Braun, I think, got overworked just a little bit early on in the season, and that helped lead to him not playing as much as you would like him to play. But when Braun's in there, I bet there's better than a 50% chance that he's over at first base. Again, assuming that from a defensive standpoint, he can do that at a respectable level. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is available for you, 414-799-1620. That's 414-799-1620. This is Brewers Weekly. We continue with the roster discussion. We'll do that next here on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pauley. You're going to be hearing a lot of me if you listen to Brewers games because I'll have you for Brewers extra innings after the vast majority of games. We don't do a show after a weekday day games, but uh, all the night games, all the weekend games, I've got you for. So uh, when the Brewers games ga- game, when the Brewers games plural, Matt, when those games get over, uh, make sure to uh, keep it locked right here. And while I'm doing all these plugs, let me plug this. I've also got a Brewers podcast you can listen to on uh, Sunday nights. It's on the uh, WTM. MJ mobile network. You can also get it through iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. It is also called Brewers X Turnings because we like to confuse you. So that's where where all that is available for you. All right, we're talking about the roster situation. And one of the words we've used a lot over the last few minutes is depth. And the Brewers do have depth. That was something that was created last year. I remember if I could choose... like. There's a handful, maybe not even a handful, there's like two or three things that was really, 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 really the difference between the 2017 Brewers 
and the 2016 Brewers. And I'm not trying to take any shots at the 2016 team. That was a team that absolutely overachieved, and that was a team that competed on a night-in, night-out basis. Uh, they won, what, 72 games or something, if I remember correctly? Uh, so, I mean, it's not like they had a good win-loss record. But when you went to Miller Park, more often than not, you saw a very competitive team. Now, they took that up a level that last year they were competing for a playoff spot. And to me, maybe this is the single biggest difference. The difference from 2016 to 2017 was depth. There were guys that played for the Brewers in 2016 that would have been nowhere near the roster in 2017. And some of the guys who got called up from AAA again, were individuals that were much better than the guys who were being called up the year before. I, with all due respect to the individuals I'm about to say, like Ramon Flores was not going to find a spot on the roster last year. Alex Presley was not going to find a spot on the roster last year. They're just The, the team overall had kind of lifted beyond that. And you you develop your depth, you cultivate your depth in two ways, obviously uh, developing minor leaguers that come up through the system, and that's something that the Brewers are very good at. And then the other thing you do is you go get guys during the course of the offseason that you can put at AAA who are going to be able to help you during the course of the year. You know, we're talking so much right now about all these outfielders. My goodness, they got all these outfielders, and these guys are going to not have enough playing time, and what are you going to do with Ryan Braun? Again, going back to a theme that I was talking about in the last segment, you're going to, it's all going to work itself out. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have other things happen. There's, there can be moves that are made during the course of the year. And to have a Brett Phillips and to have a Keon Broxton sitting at AAA, that's, that's a good position to be in. To have a G-Man Choi who's got good big league time and is going to be at AAA after putting up, uh, a really, you know, putting up really good numbers in spring training. If you have injuries, he may end up helping you during the course of the year. Having catching depth, having a jet bandy around to be able to help survive a Stephen Vogt injury to at least start the season. And it seems like this Vogt injury might be one of those that kind of lingers for a bit. So having bandy around, that's, that's important. So it, it's funny. Here we are. We're talking on March 22nd, even after there's two fairly major injuries that happened to this team yesterday, and neither Wade Miley or Boone Logan being available to start the season. Even with that being said, we're still talking about this surplus of individuals. Well, it's, 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 it's going to work itself out. It just is. That's the way baseball is. It's all going to work itself out. And we get, I, I'm including myself in this, we, we get in a tizzy. About what are we going to do about this and what's going to happen here and all, all, all. like it's it's going to be all right and I would predict and maybe I'm wrong I would predict that they don't end up just cutting bait with an individual that they'd like to have on this team and by the way I don't know if you've the way baseball's working right now the home run hitting guy. His value is going down, down, down. Like we don't have, we don't have to go that far back in history to watch what happened to Chris Carter when he left the Brewers as the National League leader in home runs. And not only did he get non-tendered, 
he had a hard time finding a job. And now he's just kind of a a veteran minimums kind of guy. That's what he's turned into. So even if they do need to designate Jesus Aguilar for assignment, there's no guarantee that he's getting picked up by another team. I think that's a 50-50 proposition. Now, do you want to gamble on that? Probably not. But if you are if your if your hand is forced, I don't think designate for him for assignment definitely means that he would exit the organization. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll take one more break. We'll come back and we'll wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. Starting to wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name's Matt Pauley. We're a week out from Brewers' uh, opening day. That's in San Diego on Thursday, and then the home opener will come up the Monday after that. One last thing I want to get to from a roster standpoint before we get out of here, uh, the bullpen. And, and I don't think – I think the bullpen is kind of starting to come together. And unfortunately, Boone Logan's injury uh, gives kind of less wiggle room for different guys to make it. To me, really, the only thing that's out there is whether if Brent Suter is in the starting rotation to start the season, then I think Oliver Drake probably makes uh, the team. If Brent Suter is not in the starting rotation instead of a bullpen guy, I would say Oliver Drake does not make the team. I think Ivani Gallardo makes this team as a bullpen guy. I think we're going to see that. Uh, J.J. Hoover, he apps, uh, he would have to blow up beyond blowing up over the course of the next week. I mean, this is a guy who has not given up an earned run, hasn't, hasn't given up an, a, a run period, only three hits in six appearances in spring training. He's done a great job so far, and he absolutely has uh, made the team. So they're going to have to make a 40-man move to uh, clear a spot for J.J. Hoover. I believe he's on a minor league deal, if I remember correctly. All right, that is it for the program. Thanks so much for being tuned in. First Brewers game that matters a week from today here on WTMJ.